Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and scratch our heads at its unscrupulous adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. And here with me is Julia. Hello. I, I feel like I have to mirror your mind. My name is Kylie. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's the uh, Seinfeld episode with the belly button that talks. Hello. How are you? So what are what we are doing we do- today, Kylie? Where did we come from? Where did we go? Ah, uh, um, hi. We both write and edit for the website thefandamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. Best tagline ever. Did you see what we did there? Because it's a pun on fan. Okay. I saw what we did there. Yeah, check us out for all sorts of geeky reviews and news and analysis pieces and trailers when they drop. Sometimes we react to them. Like I did Sometimes. that. I did that for the last Jedi trailer. I actually snuck out on my, I snuck out of work and hid in my bushes to watch it because I needed, it was sunny out. So I needed to be able to see my screen. So I like went into our bushes. And that's I reacted I to the GOT trailer, Taylor trailer. Taylor, yeah. teaser, teaser. How are those teaser words trailer. for you? Teaser yeah. trailer. Yes, and people were sitting down, and it was it was enthralling. I was enthralled. Yeah, based on our site stats, that actually did really well. <laughs> and your headline was like, "People sit down in the Game of Thrones." <laughs> <laughs> well, that um, was the punchline. I just love how many earnest pieces there were about that. I think we discussed Mm -hmm. the teaser trailer last time on our last podcast. This podcast, if anyone is just joining us for the first time, what Julia and I do is, Mm -hmm. well, grouse about Game of Thrones, but we do that specifically by going back through the most recent season and watching plot line by plot line and then writing a retrospective on it. Yep. And we had one plot line left to do. This is our last one. It's the Riverblands. Yes. Which are the journeys of... Jamie Lannister or Larry. Uh Larry. And Same as Larry. Sandra Clegane or the K9. Yes. Uh the Hound. Yeah, and we already wrote the the thing. It's it's up, it's ten thousand words, we'll link it. And mm-hmm. we this is what you're about to hear is us trying to make sense of it and recording it. As a warning, there is a moment where <laughs> Julia has an emotional breakdown in the middle of us recording. Yeah, it, it's um yeah, I I mean I'm I think I'm still having that breakdown in a kind of low key way. Yeah, well, Julia just kind of got to a point where she's like, "I'm a classy woman. <laughs> what am I doing?" <laughs> and this plotline will get you there. I actually showed uh, a non show watcher, non book reader, the fingers up the ass scene without any context, and he was just like, "What the hell did I watch? And how did this win any Emmys?" So. Good job, d I was on a date and I tried to explain pacing. Didn't work out so well. Yeah, no, actually, it's it's funny because I, I went to the March for Science uh, today and I met a dude on the, the SEPTA train in. Julia finds that really funny. It's adorable. 
Yeah, Southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority. And yeah, no, I respect that authority. Authority. And I was talking to a guy who was saying, because I I said, like, I'm a unabashed book snob, and I told him about the podcast, and he's like, I actually think books four and five aren't very good. And I was like, well, you need to reread it and come by in chronological (laughs) order. And yeah, I'm sure he thought I was very normal. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, anyway, before we jump into the fandom nicknames and our planning session for this piece and whatnot, Let's talk about, is there any Game of Thrones news, Julia? Um, well, there were like 15 or so still pictures released from the season, and the internet exploded. Oh my god, because they were so amazing. What was your favorite picture? Um, I really like the human chess game. The human chess game? Okay, so I did, like, <laughs> weird captions on these, because that's something mm-hmm. I did last year, and truthfully, I wasn't even finding them that funny this year, but I was just like, alright, I'll uh, The human chess game was pretty awesome. I know, I can't think of one that really stood out, like, maybe the one with Sansa and Littlefinger. Yeah, well, because cause the, uh, the human chess game is just, it's team deadpan, but they're all standing, like, strategically apart. It's yeah. really weird. It looks like Danny like did a night jump out all, and Tyrion's yeah. a pawn or something. It's really weird. Director was like, I have to block this so it looks cool. Yeah, no, seriously, it looks like they're mo- like they're stuck on squares. Um, and I think like the canine is there in the snow in one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And there's uh, more Tormund and Brienne romancing. Gilly's reading the script or something. <laughs> no, someone someone translated it. It's like some snippet of something, but yeah, I don't it's, it's about Azora High. It's not that important, honestly. I mean, I'm sure they'll make it important. But yeah, the picture of Sansa and Littlefinger is like them looking suspiciously down into a courtyard, like. Mm. Yeah, the the one in Winter Hell. Mm-hmm. The um the thing that most people commented on uh of these pictures is that everyone is wearing black, like everyone in every well, picture. Is everyone wearing- is in the Night's Watch now. Like, the same way that everyone is Deadpan's Blood Rider? Like the only people not wearing black are Mira and Bran, who are in their, like, snow garbs. They're yeah, basically... She's, she's still doing her CrossFit workout. Yeah, she is. I guess the gift is, like, expensive for them, even though for everyone else it's, like, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah. Uh, and then Sam is wearing, like... it. It's supposed to be Maester something or other. It looks like PJs. But, yeah, it honestly... It looks like, like my PJs today. Yeah, like, my he's wearing a... CrossFit Nola PJs. Ooh. <laughs> is that Nola? Yeah. CrossFit Nola. My sister got it for me. Oh, well, my sister gave it to me because she doesn't want it anymore. That's how it works with me and my okay. sister. Should I like, do a striptease for you? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't a striptease. Because was... I'm just wearing a sports bra under this. So. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, Julie and I were just showing off our boobs to each other <laughs> as we were recording. <laughs> like one does. Platonically. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so we have to get into this. Or out yes. of this, we have to get into your hair. I don't know what's happening. Um, you like my hair? Your hair's lovely. Mm-hmm. I hate my hair right now, and it's also really gross. But... I got a really, really bad haircut, but the guy was creeping me out, so I just left before telling him to fix anything. Yep, that's that how that works. Hey, fandom nicknames. <laughs> Let's do it. So we have the stars of the entire production, Carol. <laughs> And Larry. Carol. Oh, Carol and Larry. The OTP to end all OTPs, I yeah, think. Yeah, their relationship is so healthy. We should all root for it. <laughs> so Carol is Carol Lannister. She lives in mm-hmm. Carol's Landing, and she carols everywhere. Yeah, she's a and Larry- poor, put-upon, struggling tiger mom, or super mom, or soccer mom, whatever kind of mom she is. With that hairdo, I think it's soccer mom territory, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, your fun new summer do. Then Larry is, of course, 
a charmingly befuddled knight who's also her brother lover. Yes. Poor O'Larry. This is this plotline is the most O'Larry that he ever gets. No, it's it's just one solid block of O'Larryness. Yeah. Um. But the weird thing about Carol, she actually sheds her exoskeleton at the end of mm-hmm. the season and becomes Cheryl. So that's you know. Yes. Cheryl O'Larry- is like, you know how suburban moms always have a dark side. <laughs> yeah, Larry might be a little scared of Cheryl, but he really loves Carol. Yeah. Uh, in general, this plotline is going to take place in the River Blands. Yes. The River Blands are, uh, Ireland. Are Ireland. And there's the Shire is in them, too. Yeah, it's like some kind of, like, indeterminate mild season, constantly. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they possibly exist in um, some kind a- of, like, bubble, like, weather-related bubble, where it's always, like, early autumn. <laughs> I guess. I there's know. also a um there's also a big old castle in the middle of the River Blands called River Roundabout. Yes, where plot cul de sacs happen. It plot cul de sacs happen and it kind of like pops back into existence when it needs to. Yeah, it's like the island from Lost. Yeah. Speaking of popping, uh who <laughs> who is inside River Roundabout right now? Right, it's the pop up blackfish. <laughs> <laughs> he also oh. fades in and out of existence when the plot demands it. Yeah, and Walter Filch is not happy. No, he's not happy about it. He and the Fluffy Hat Brigade are trying to get the River Roundabout castle back. <laughs> God. <laughs> and uh, two other players that are going to be randomly involved in this are Brienne the Brute, mm-hmm. who needs no introduction, and Pod the Rod. I mean, I hear he has a magical penis, it's Julia. It's magic, <laughs> Kylie. It's so magical that sex workers don't even want to get paid when they have sex with him. Wait, was oh oh because no, it was it's not like the, they have bills. It's fine. And it was it was Braun who calls it a magical penis, but he, he and calls Larry it a magical together cock. Yeah, he and Larry together make the Broans. <laughs> the Broans? How do we pronounce the, this? I, I don't know. We just write it out because it makes us laugh. <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we just never say, use yeah, it. We say Broans. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, we'll get there when we go through it, but the thing about Bronze writing, because they try to just make him, like, body all the time, but he mm-hmm. actually seems, like, not right in I know, the head. It's odd because he's so, like, uber competent. Uh, we'll get to it. Well, there's that aspect, but he really, he seems like he has a sex addiction or something. Like, there's something going on that I, needs to be addressed. I mean, I think we both know what's actually going on. Maybe we should save it. We're going to save it. We're going to yeah. get there. Um, <laughs> finally, there is one other, two other players, just randomly. One is not even a fandom nickname, but <laughs> it makes us laugh. I mean, it's so stupid that we treat it as though it is a fandom nickname. Septon Ray or, or Brother, Brother Ray? Ray. Yeah. We're not sure, but the dude's name is Ray. I, R-A-Y. Yeah, they took they took a, a character playing a medieval monk-like figure, played by a veteran <laughs> award-winning character actor, and they decided the best name for him was Ray. And Ray, Ray, that uh, that actor that Ray was speaking of is Ian McShane. Yes. <laughs> and Ray is like, I can't tell if it's <laughs> Ian McShane being drunk on set or if like- <laughs> Or Septon drunk Ray, on the contempt he feels for the part. Like, yeah, Septon Ray just kind of has this undercurrent of contempt, which is not what's supposed to be going on at all. <laughs> He's great. And Septon Ray is offering guidance to the canine. Yes, and they are both in the Shire. We, I, I might slip and call him Sandor, the yeah. canine. I mean, he doesn't really become the canine until after the end of episode 7, I don't think. I don't know. He's definitely not anything like Sandor Clegane, though. I mean, it's on just... the show, what, what is that exactly? Like, this guy who 
kind of sort of has a thing for Sansa. He's a like, meme. Yeah, he's like Hodor in that way. He's just a walking meme at this point. Mm. They even uh, we'll get there. All right, so um, we actually can do a high level recap. It's not going to be high level, but it's going to be fast because not that much happens. <laughs> not much happened in Dorne. Remember how that turned out? <laughs> Okay, so okay. this is this is the plot line that is kind of the most discontinuous and the most like there's little bits and pieces everywhere. Yeah, like the canine has a complete plot line, but Larry, mm-hmm. like we kind of just had to arbitrarily say when Larry sets out, that's the plot line. And also with Brienne the Brute, when she sets out, that's when this plot line starts yes. for her. Yeah, so I, Yeah, but um maybe let's quickly, quickly, quickly just say what what were Larry and Brienne up to. Okay, so we'll start with Brienne because she's gonna come first. So Brienne went north uh to rescue Sansa and she did such a great job. Uh so then she traveled with Sansa who became Brittany up to the wall. And then Brittany discovered that her uncle Pop Up Blackfish retook River Roundabout, so she sent uh and yeah, that's what happened. Yes. They found out that yeah, Papa Blackfish yeah. is in River Roundabout with an with a Tully army. Yes, with the Tully army. So that brings us to episode uh, five, the door. Yes, and you know, th- there's that War Council scene, and that's it's the scene where Brittany. If you didn't listen to our Winter Hell two podcasts, you should do that. They're pretty entertaining. Yeah, I think they're entertaining. I believe we talk about this scene in the second one because that's how long it took. <laughs> through everything but no Brittany was like the war council scene where she's telling john like oh i have the stark name and then john looks sad for a second but she also yeah she also says the tullys will back us without question and uh she's lying about where she got this information because little finger bat finger told her about yeah. Papa Blackfish. And, this, and she just this, says... This she lying heard. is what concerns Brienne. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So the, the next scene is just Br- Brittany and Brienne following this war council. Yeah. And this is the scene that is like the most kind of like, Sophie Turner, what are you doing? Because you're not playing Sansa. Who is this character? It's Sophie Turner. <laughs> it's Sophie Turner. It's, yeah. It's just Sophie Turner being Sophie Turner. I mean, yeah. It's Sophie Turner being Brittany, who's awesome. But just like, where did Brittany come from? But anyway, that's a different episode. Uh, so she's sending Brienne to go talk to uh, Blackfish and get the Tully army to help her retake Winterfell. And Brienne yeah. doesn't think this is a nifty idea. She's just like, why don't you send a raven? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just sent a raven to White Harbor. They might as yeah. well. And like, I mean, sent, she like, she expresses concern about leaving Brittany here alone without Brienne the brute to protect her. Yeah, and she actually brings up good points. I do like this. Brienne mentions that Davos and Mel are shady as shit. And they're like and, weather veins. Yeah, exactly. So that maybe this isn't a good idea. But Brit- Brittany says, and I quote, "You'll know how to talk to him." <laughs> yeah, because so keep, Brienne is such a people up. person. Yeah, and, like, Brittany's also right. You shouldn't send a letter for something this important. Mm-hmm. I mean, how she expected Brienne to get there and enter a besieged castle is beyond me, but, yeah. you know. Does she know that it's besieged? Yeah, maybe it wasn't at that point. Yeah. I think, it was River Run, like, recently taken? It must screen? be very recent, because, like, in the next episode, after Larry's striptease, we hear uh, the Floppy Hat Brigade reacting to it. Yeah. But well, Sansa just... already knew that the episode before, and so did Batfinger. So I don't know. Fuck cares. So yeah, this travels in interesting ways. Yeah. So Brienne is is off. She's off to the Riverlands. How exciting! Okay, meanwhile, in Carol's Landing, what has Larry been doing? Larry has been uh, laraling around the place with Carol. Um, <laughs> I don't know. With, like they're trying to get Marge out of the clutches of the Faith Taliban. 
And so the culmination of that was the part where Larry forgets to secure the king before he, like, tries Leads to... Leads a revolution against yeah. the, against the uh, church, yeah. But, oh boy, is his face red. It turns out the king was there all along in the place that they're trying to secure, and he's on the bad guy's side now. Yeah, and along with, like, four Kingsguard members, like, Larry really dropped the ball. No, it was, like, it was all of them. It was every Kingsguard member except for uh, the Mountain and himself was behind Tommen. <laughs> with new armor. Oh, Larry. I mean, they did, he didn't have, even have to be fitted for new armor or anything. Like, WTF. Like, were they going to catch him later, I guess? I guess. Um, I don't know. So, anyway, um, because I, I guess Tom Tom decided that Larry is just extremely incompetent as Lord Commander of the King's Guard. So yeah. he's he's firing him. Larry's getting the yeah. sack. Uh, honestly, this is justified. Yes. Like, legit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Larry? Uh, so, yeah, he basically, th- there's an odd scene of Larry, like, dumping his armor onto the well, ground. Well, it's supposed to be reminiscent, I think, of uh, Barry the Scary's striptease. It's definitely supposed to be reminiscent of that, but why? Because they think that if they have something that's remotely like something that was successful in the first season, it will be exactly the same quality. That's yeah, why. well, and what's what's really fun is that basically Tom and, uh, Tommen's argument is that you took up arms against the gods. Uh-huh. And Larry is just like, oh, okay, am I going to be walking naked through the streets or am I just going to be thrown into a dungeon for months? And like, <laughs> my dude, wow, look at him pointing out the sexism <laughs> and the hypocrisy of the faith. <laughs> like, good job, Larry. Yeah. Um, he's such Kevin, a great ally. Kevin is Kevin just kind is of just, standing there being cool with this. Yeah, he's like, yeah, well, you know, Larry, you, you shouldn't have taken up arms. Why is Kevin okay with this? Yeah. I mean, last time we spoke to Kevin, he wasn't okay with the faith taking over. He seemed to be on Olena's side. Olena wanted this. I mean, Mace was in... I, I, I don't know. I don't know what anyone's doing, but Tommen was reading A Feast for Crows, mm-hmm. I think. And he was just like, aren't you supposed to be in the Riverlands now? Larry? But, like, Larry's no longer a Kingsguard. That's okay. I'm sure that wasn't important to Jamie's arc or anything. No, of course not. <laughs> okay, so... Th- oh, by the way, uh, it's kind of like a cut where Tom's like, you're going to not be here, and then it cuts to the twins so that we know where he's going to be going. Yeah. So, in the twins, Walter Filch is just, like, sitting, drinking, and fondling his, like, 14-year-old wife. Which is charming. Yeah. And so this is like where... she's just there to be terrified. That is yeah. Her she's like just role. like she's not even sitting and eating. She's just standing there looking terrified. She's just she's just getting fondled throughout the seat. There's just a fourteen year old girl on his lap. Yeah, like, just as like looking like like this actor was directed like you know look as though like you're watching a puppy being dismembered or something. Like that's what yeah. she looks like. Yeah, this is basically like Craster rape shack scene setting. Like that's mm-hmm. how non consequential she is to the scene. Yeah. I mean, he so. mentions her at one point as, as being dumb or something, right? It's just yeah, like, if I want course. people to make dumb decisions, I'll ask her to do it. So I guess that's her affecting the scene. Oh, good. Yeah. She's justified. Okay, so um, two of his sons, uh, Lothar and Black Walter, their names. The ones, oh wait, they're going to end up in the frame part. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, so they are standing there like chumps, telling their dad that they lost <laughs> River Randabout. Like, Off screen. Like, yeah, they lost it. Somehow, I don't know. And Walter Filch is a little upset about this, and he reminds us that the Red Wedding happened at the end of season three, and that he really doesn't hate, he really doesn't like Tully's. My question is, why didn't they establish then that Blackfish had taken it? Like, this wasn't a problem in the books, right? Blackfish was in Riverrun. Yeah, Blackfish was, like, he never went to the Red Wedding. He was always, like, he was 
like he had never left. He was oh, specifically oh, named was Warden the of the South or Warden of the Riverlands or whatever it was, because Rob was going to go up north. Yeah, why did they bring him? That's so stupid. All right, whatever. <laughs> made all sorts of stupid decisions. Because <laughs> I, I, I was trying to figure out why they had to retcon this, but apparently there was some epic off-screen battle where Brandon was managed to, like, break into this defensive stronghold and take it back. Brandon. Brandon, yes. And we also get a bunch of other, like, random world building. Like, the Brother Without Banners is raiding supply trains and camps, and the Malisters and the Blackwoods have rebelled as well. Yeah. This is so mentioned offhand that, and never mentioned again. Yeah, so it's great that, like, someone read this. Mm-hmm. Well, the Brotherhood Without Banners we see. Yeah, but the Malisters and the Blackwoods rebelling, like, okay. <laughs> this is a Cogman episode, so sometimes Cogman is like, I read the books! <laughs> and I think that this plot line, D&D, we're just like, we're not even gonna edit it, whatever. <laughs> and so he, uh, Walter Filch tells his sons, his sonians, to go and make a siege. Even though, like, like one would do. Um, yeah, but although, like, uh, yeah, like this is recent, right? But the red wedding was years ago. Yeah. So what were they doing this whole time? Or Brendan, I guess, only just now mustered the. Uh, Maybe I guess that's I guess that's possible. Did he lay siege spending... for like years? I, I, don't know. I don't know. How did he take the castle? Uh, oh, um. Okay, so then they like really like it was so awkward. I forget exactly how they do it. I think they're just like. Don't worry, he'll surrender the castle because we have Edmure. And then we see Edmure. But again, they've had Edmure for years. Yeah, apparently. He he looks like he's been in prison for years. He looks like crap. He says years. Yeah, he does say years later on. But there's this whole thing where he's just like, bring him. And he's just like waiting outside or something. It was really weird. Like he knew that it would be dramatically satisfying for his sons to, I don't know. Oh my god. That's, yeah. Well, as long as he's trying to like please them. Okay, so, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, Back to a Laryl scene. The phrase are going to be, the Floppy Hat Brigade are going to be besieging River Run. And then, uh, yeah, we're back in Carol's Landing, and Carol and Larry are discussing the fact that he's being sent to River Run about. Yeah, he's going to go help the siege. Mm-hmm. And he's really upset about it. Because um, Cersei's trial is soon. They don't say a few days this time, they say soon. yeah. It was a few days, an episode ago, but now it's soon. Yeah. Two episodes ago, so. but now it's soon. Um, and he doesn't want to go. He says he wants to be there for Carol. And uh-huh. Carol's like, no, it's okay. Like, I've got the mountain. It's a trial by combat. There's nothing more you can do. Like, go take care of them and then come back. Yeah. Like, she's kind of being nice she, and reasonable. Yeah, she's being very, like, she's being, like, the calm one. And he's the one who wants to, like, smother the high septum with a pillow and fuck dudes to do it, I guess. Oh, yeah! This is where he's screaming yeah. about the High Sparrow, and he's like, he took our son! What did he do to our son? And you're like, dude, keep your voice no, down. I just, like, this just, like, another, like, they swapped characterizations again. But, yeah, like, is- the thing is that Larry, okay, the important thing here is that Larry is really into, like, sticking it hard to the Faith Taliban. Mm-hmm. He wants, he wants to burn them to the ground. He wants to go he- into the Sept and kill all the Sparrows. He said he he wants to get, like, the best fighters and sneak into the set. Yeah. That was his plan. Yes, that's his plan. And Carol's like, that sounds like a terrible fucking plan. Yeah. And he, she's just like, you know, go to River Run. You'll be at the head of an army. That might be useful. Where you belong. It's yeah. the Lannister army. Exactly. And then what's really kind of weird is she starts talking about, like, don't worry, we will punish all our enemies. You'll have no idea how much they punish. We'll punish them or something like that. Yeah. And, and he's like, Larry's like, super turned on. Tur- yeah, he's really turned on. He starts like they start like making out really noisily, and then yeah. the scene ends. So it's, it's the kind of making out where you're like eating each other's mouths. 
know? Yeah, it was like really like the smacking continues into the next scene. <laughs> okay, so anyway, that, um, that's it for Blood of My Blood. What a special episode. It's our favorite episode, like possibly ever in the history of all episodes. But speaking of history, yeah. how many cold opens have there been in Game of Thrones? There's usually one at the start of the season, right? Yeah, so uh, Tywin melting down the swords was one. That was nice. Was the I, the prologue was a cold open in season one? I think so. And uh, yeah, the, I think it actually might just Carol be the, ba- one, the baby Carol scene. Uh huh. I'm trying to think about season three. I'm pretty sure there's one every opener. Yeah, but I think oh, what was season three? Man, hold on, hold on. I can I can find this out really fast. Uh, oh, it was Sam not mailing the insurance check, and that was a cold open. What do you mean? Sam? I don't remember that one. It's it's the rested Westeros uh, reference. It's it's the one where Sam finds his way back to the Night's Watch army after like remember he was by the army of the dead the whole time. Yeah. At the end of season two, so it's the cold open. It's just him finding his way back from the zombies to the Night's Watch, and that was a cold open. Okay. And then uh, let's look at S season five. Frank, uh, uh, the cold open of season six, of course, was carrying Johnny's corpse. Or Johnny's corpse just lying there, whatever it was. And they're actually, and actually, believe it or not, Baby Carol wasn't a cold open. It wasn't? I thought it was. Nope. It came after the credits. Okay. And hold on, hold on. One more. Yeah, Melting Down the Swords was a cold open. And I can't find season two quickly, so whatever. We'll just. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so they're very rare. And they're usually used for openers. Like season openers. And like extreme significance. Yeah. You know what's also apparently extremely significant? Building a, mm. a church in the middle of the Shire. And why was that significant? Um, I think because they were really proud of the music that they, <laughs> that they made for this. Like, if you guys have the extended Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. fellowship, there's the extended Concerning Hobbits, yeah. and it's got, like, Bilbo narrating what kind of creatures hobbits are. And there's, like, a shot of them raising a banner that says a happy 111th birthday or whatever. Yeah. And I swear to God, it's the exact same thing that's happening with no, the church you, Can building. you play both of the pieces, like, a little clip from both the pieces back to back? Yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, let's do that now. Like the thing is, I really like this. It's like the theme song, but it's kind of like a hobbity version of it. 
you know? Yeah. Well, fun fun fact, by the way, that that uh, that concerning hobbits, my orchestra did it, and I got to be the co- I was the concertmaster, so I got to do that little violin solo. Oh, because I was cool. I think you're cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's just like a bunch of peasants, and they're building the sept in the middle of nowhere, and <laughs> Ray is there, and he's being like motivating. He's all just like, yeah, yeah, you hammer that nail with that hammer, and. But there's like he's almost like grimacing. I don't know how to explain it. He just seems supremely disinterested, but he's trying to act as though he's really happy. It's really weird. It's like Ian McShane going, "How did my agent talk me into this? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this?" Anyway, we learned the reason that it's a cold opener. Yeah, because uh, Sandra Clegane is there carrying a log. <laughs> I just, just spit water all over myself. I'm sorry. But, like, like there's all these other logs, and, like, four dudes are carrying the logs, and he's carrying a log all by himself. So I guess that's really... I guess it's because he's alive and we thought he was dead. But cold open worthy. I, I guess. I mean, it's kind of a minor character. I'm sorry. Julia. What? Them's fighting words. But that's it. are people going to argue that Sander Clegane is a major character? I hope not. Okay. I'll fight them. All right. Anyway, uh, after the credits roll, we cut back to the Shire. And it's very clear he's pushing himself too hard. Yeah. <laughs> All this log carrying. So he's, like, sitting down to, like, catch his breath because, you know. No, he's not. He's still he, he's still axing away at the tree. What? Oh, he's chopping wood now? I yeah. forgot what he was doing. Yeah. Ray's the one. Whatever. Ray just sidles up to him. Yeah. And starts, like. <laughs> Convoying. Yeah, it's it's and really we just, weird. Like, this is just like exposition, I guess, to remind us that Brienne like almost killed him. Yeah, because he starts talking about oh, who did that to you or whatever, and 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 you know the K nine is oh, it was a woman who did that, and then yeah. Ray starts giggling. Yeah, and then like um, I think it's an, a different scene. I mean, like they have this little conversation that's like literally nothing. It's just like laughing at the fact that he got beaten by a woman, and then. Um, I just, he, I just love that he exposits to him about like shit that Sandor obviously knows. Yeah, like, I mean, that, oh, that's you the, were almost dead. Yeah, that's the next conversation because we have these like shots of all these like happy peasants, and like considering how the episode <laughs> ends, it's just so stupid and gratuitous. <laughs> just like look how happy they are, hammering their nails and chopping their potatoes. <laughs> they, they, they look so contented and prosperous. They didn't even try to humanize one of them. No, like, it's just Ray, Sandra, and then these happy peasants. <laughs> and so uh, Sandra is just sitting apart from them because he's all antisocial and broody, I guess. And so Ray like, sidles up to him and offers him some water or whatever and just exposits to him about like his life. <laughs> and has like, I found you dead and you almost died and then you didn't die. <laughs> And then I thought you would die, but then you didn't die. Just like, doesn't he know this already? Yeah, and then Sandra's like, well, hate kept me going. Yeah. Okay. And then Ray tries to, I think he's trying to say that hate is bad. Yeah. But instead he starts trying to talk about the gods. Yeah, and but- he says he doesn't know much about the gods. And he <laughs> implies that, like, he's implying some kind of, like, pantheistic conception of the seven where he's like oh the seven and the old gods and the lord of light they're all like interchangeable like interchangeable like versions of some kind of amorphous pantheistic godhead and you're just like no that's not how no also why are you worshiping the why are you a septon yeah well and he he sounds more like a hippie you know like i'm not religious i'm spiritual 
I don't even know the name of the seven. Like, yes, you do, dude. You can't live on that continent and not know the name of the seven. I don't care what you believe. Well, he says Everyone... no. He doesn't say. He says that he doesn't know their real names. He's like, maybe okay. it is oh, the okay, seven. So... Who knows? Well, because like it's trying to be that whole cobbler above thing. Because there's this, there's Cogman this. Just didn't understand. Yeah, there's this character who talks about with, to Brienne actually talks about how um, like. Because, like, the theology of the seven is, like, it's, like, kind of like the Trinity. It's one god that has seven kind of aspects that are mm. equally kind of, like, co-existy in each other, but also different. If you know anything about Christianity, you're like, yup. But, um... I, I, I just leave you with the Holy Ghost. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. And the point, the point that the Septon makes is that, like, the warrior, the, no, the smith is the kind of creative aspect of the seven and the fact that he's a blacksmith is kind of arbitrary. Like he could easily be a farmer or like a cobbler. Yeah. And he, like, he says like, you know, the cobbler above makes it so I don't need shoes. And yeah, because yeah. he was kind of just like joking around and then pod who's like 11. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so there's no cobbler. It. That's not one of the gods. <laughs> yeah. So he's just kind of explaining yeah. that, you know, Basically, literal interpretation of religious texts doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You kind of go with what it means. But and Cogman he does have this, this whole thing about like how he preaches to simple people, and simple people don't understand all this like weird Trinity, Neoplatonic stuff. And so he talks about seven gods as though yep. they're actually seven gods. Like, you know, like, it, but, yeah. Like, there's aspects. So this there's was... very, very slight aspects of this yeah. conversation in the books. Yeah, yeah, there is. Cogman yeah. was trying to give this to Ray, but instead yeah. Ray just kind of sounds like a stoner <laughs> and yeah but and the other thing is too he's heard stories of the legendary sandor clegane yeah like he just starts talking about the legendary sandor clegane yeah and then sandor kind of like gets a look on his face like shut up yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah that's that conversation and then um we get a, our first view of river roundabout it looks nice. It looks kind of small for what it's supposed to be, but yeah. It's nice. I think it's taken from its season two design. Yeah, but I, everything's kind of small on this show sometimes. I don't know. Except for Bear Island, which is River, which is Riverdale. Yeah, but uh, you get you get the feeling that Riverrun is because like these people rule like enormous like geographical territories, and like you would think that. Their castles would be a lot bigger. <laughs> Whatever. Or taller. Yeah, yeah you know, th- there's a fort in Oswego that looks taller. All right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the first shot we get, it's like a long army marching yeah, shot. Yeah, apparently, uh, like, they said at some point, six, there's 6,000 Lannister men, I think they said? Yeah, oh, it's the Lannister army, yeah. yeah. And they're, like, kind of mumbling about... It's Bronn and Larry. Yeah, at the Bronn, is, I'm Bronn sorry. is I think this is the first appearance of Bronn this season. I think so too, but I wouldn't put money on it because I just don't care enough. Yeah. But uh, they're kind of like pointing to what the phrase are doing and they're talking the about like, brigade. oh, these camps look disorganized. And then Braun says, someone needs to teach those sad twats how to dig trenches. And so then Larry puts him in charge of trench digging because Braun is so What is it with trench diggings this season? <laughs> like, what is this? No, it's just like, why, why is Braun so skilled at everything? I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, Bron starts complaining about how Larry promised him a lordship and a castle and a highborn wife. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, didn't you already have that? that. And, but for some reason, you had to, like, give it up to go to porn with Larry, which I don't know why he had to give it up. Why can't it just, like, be waiting for him? Oh, was the implication he's no longer with Lawless? Yeah. What? No, because he said, he said in season five that I'll find you a better wife or, like, I'll find you another wife who's just as good or whatever. And he's just like, 
But I don't understand why he couldn't have Flawless and go to Dorne for a few months, but whatever. Also, I, I swear to God, Cogman writes this script, mm-hmm. and then D&D go back through and add in, like, cocks and fucks and stuff. Like, it, this just reads... They don't know how to write, is what I'm saying. Because... <laughs> It just reads like, what is wrong with Braun? Because he's talking about sad twats, and then he, and then you have better instincts than any officer in the Lannister army. A why? And then Braun goes, "That's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied army." Ho ho ho! And then like, uh, like penises. And then Larry, Larry starts to say Lannister always pays his debts because mm-hmm. don't worry, he's going to get him a pretty wife. And Braun just cuts him off and goes, "Don't say it. Don't fucking say it." Like what? Dude, cursing isn't edgy. It's okay. You can just, like, chill. And then all of a sudden we're dropped um, into the first half of Jamie Six from A Feast for Crows. Which is such a good chapter. It's one oh, of my favorite dude. chapters. You should you should go and listen to our uh, Brienne and uh, Jamie podcast. Yeah, which is way too long. <laughs> it's really good, though. It's really long. <laughs> Not the podcast. I meant, like, their arcs. Yeah. The, the podcast is way too long and the arc is really good. Uh I don't know. We do a good in- impersonation of Piper having an asthma attack. <laughs> <laughs> My son is there. Anyway, so uh, the two floppy hat- hatted sons of Walder Filch, uh, Black Walder and Lothar, are there with poor Edmure, and they're like threatened to hang him if the Blackfish doesn't surrender. And it's so like amateur hour, like it's supposed to be. But I like how they didn't try. Like, did they? beat the Lannister army out by 20 minutes? Was Or were they already there for a while? Yeah, because, like, in the books, this is something you've been doing every day for months, and it's kind of, like, making them a laughingstock. Um, but I guess But, so. yeah, basically they just have him, like, held, held up, like, oh, we're, we're gonna kill him, we're gonna kill him, and Blackfish mumbles. I don't know how they heard him say <laughs> this. just like, whatever. Just Let him die, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, Koan then cut his throat. He just kind of mumbles it. Yeah. And then, then the phrase, like, turn around, because Larry's right there, and Larry's like, oh, you didn't see me coming. You just allowed 8,000 oh, men 8, to approach, 8,000 men to approach unchallenged. We're supposed to believe no one, I, I understand the phrase, we're supposed to be incompetent. Like that incompetent? <laughs> we're supposed to believe that no one turned their head at any point, or heard 8,000 men approaching? Yeah. Because like, that's, that's actually impossible. Because in the books, I'm sorry, I keep doing this, in the books, it's actually a very complicated situation, the siege. There's already Lannisters there, as I yeah. love the phrase. And there's all that's of these the other thing. Why, why are the Why is the Lannister army a surprise here? Yeah. Well, there's all of these, like, the kind of the big thing at River Run in the books is that there's all these river lords who used to be, uh, used to be pledged to Rob as king of the Riverlands. Yeah. And after he was killed, they all, like, decided to pledge fealty to the Lannisters. But their loyalty is kind of, like, uncertain. They kind of hate the phrase a lot. And the phrase are being, like, really arrogant and kind of domineering, but also completely there's, incompetent. There's also, like, divisions within the phrase, Yeah, because they're very, like, Wilder Frey has, like, 60 sons or something. Like, he has 21 sons. And they all have, like, sons of their own and everything like that. And everybody's kind of, like, jostling for position within that family. And they all yeah, hate so- each other. Yeah, so when Jamie gets there, it's, it's, he really is walking in on a weird situation. He was expected. Yeah. They knew he was coming. Like his, his cousin met him like, uh, like a day's ride away and everything like that, because there's already Lannisters there. And this. Of course there yeah. are. Why would there not be? What's the Lannister army been doing this whole time? Chilling. No, no, wait. They tried to march to get Marjorie. Wait, no, that, that was, was the Tyrell troops. I am so confused. Yeah, because Tommen had already ordered them not to use 
Lannisters. Right. right. What is... Ke- okay, none of this is making sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So then... Either way, yeah, so surprise, very, bitches. Yeah, he introduces himself. Here. And, like, mm-hmm. just, like... Like, Lothar has a limp, like he does in the books. Like, they added in that detail. And you're just like, you can do it. Why don't you always do it? Like... And it's frustrating, because he actually, like, he takes charge. He's basically like, I'm in charge here, and you suck. Yeah. Because they do that whole thing where he, like, he whacks him across the face when he keeps talking and things like that. It's like, book stuff. To make the point about empty threats. And then he says that Edmure needs to be bathed and fed. And it's just so frustrating, Mm -hmm. because Nicolas Watercosto... He could have played Jamie. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, later on in this plotline, you're just like, what are you doing, dude? (laughs) But that's not really his fault. (laughs) It's not his fault at all. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he knows what character he's playing at all. There's a really nice shot of like Larry riding through the camp on a white horse. It's, it's like epic. I like it. And so then he rides up to the drawbridge and like walks across it, and the drawbridge comes down, and the Blackfish walks out, and Blackfish is all like Kingslayer, which like <gasps> more book dialogue. And so what follows is basically a book scene. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, Cogman obviously read this mm-hmm. before he wrote it. It's it shows. Yeah, um, so so the point, like, the gist of it is Larry is basically saying, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're the only castle left basically holding out. Like, why why would you die for, why would you die for a lost cause? And, like, if I storm the castle, your dudes will die. And Blackfish is like, yeah, well, more of your dudes will die because this is a really impressive castle and we have provisions for a year. Like, do you have provisions so for a year? So how did they take it back yeah. from the front? Yeah, well, good question. But, yeah, let's just go with it. And But, like, one thing that he can't say because of the stupid setup that Jamie says in the book is that when he attacks the castle, he's going to have all of the river lords who are previously loyal to Rob attack first, and they'll be the first to die. Yeah, he doesn't get to say that. Yeah, and it's, it's like, it's like the most, like, feudalism is bullshit thing ever, right? And it's kind of too bad. But, um... So basically, and it's smart. It's yeah. smart for Jamie to do that. Yeah, like Jamie's using his brain now because he has to. That's kind of his arc. Um, he's like, yeah. So then, um, basically, like the gist of this conversation is that Larry's word isn't worth anything because he's a kingslayer. Because he's a kingslayer, and Blackfish is determined to fight, even though he like knows this is a lost cause. He doesn't care um, because. He's like an old dude, and this is his home. Book's not Blackfish. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's it's a good scene. Like, <laughs> like, if this was a fan film of that scene from A Feast for Crows, it would be okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it worked. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know in the context it worked. The context is just like, why is this? I really wonder what Unsullied thought of this. Of this. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just so random. Anyway, speaking of random, let's go back to the Shire. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, because, let's not yet, actually. Because, um, like, we're supposed to be buying this whole thing about how Larry is all upset that his honor is crap, I guess. But what is that touched on? I have no idea. And I don't think that's actually in evidence anywhere else. Like, he kind of just looks sad he wasn't able to persuade him. Okay. It doesn't really come back to his honor in any way because then, like, his, you know, his triumphant moment is screaming about how much he loves Carol. We'll get to it, but, like... Yeah. Obviously, obviously no, he doesn't I'm just care. trying to think of the last couple of years. There hasn't really been much about his, like, identity as a knight or anything like that, which is the main driver of his... Julia, he was dismissed from the Kingsguard and he, like, barely gave a shit. Yeah, it's all about his relationship with Carol. 
Yeah. It has been for several years. Like, porn was all about that. Yeah, and he's, like, in a love triangle, but that's the extent of it. Yeah, I guess. Like, his actual identity, his actual identity doesn't matter whatsoever. His identity is the guy who's in love with Carol, I guess. Yeah, and he's a really good ally, but that's it. So, yeah, what was that scene supposed to be about? It was just like... I mean, when we get to his scene with Edmure, I think we'll have a lot more to talk about this, like, what his motivation yeah. is supposed to be here. Oh, God. Um, no, I can't I can't figure this out. Like, why they even included any of this, other than they needed filler. Yeah, and they wanted to use... Brian Coggan was like, can I please have some book dialogue this season? Please, just a little. <laughs> well, and I think they also wanted to reintroduce Walter Frey in some way, mm-hmm. so Arya's random kill of him would be dramatically satisfying. Yeah, that's probably true. So, okay. All right. We gotta move on. Okay, so we go back to the Shire. Mm-hmm. And Septon Ray is doing, like, a, he's, like, preaching. He's doing some outdoor preaching. It's, like, He's giving the, the Broken Man revival. speech, isn't he? Kind of. Yeah, he is. The Broken Man speech is, is the same guy with the Cobbler Above speech in the books. He talks about how he used to be a soldier and how that, like, was really sucky. And he basically, he was well, he's he- basically a deserter. He doesn't frame it as he, he doesn't frame it as I'm talking about myself. Yeah. He's explaining the concept of a broken man, but the way he talks. Yes, yeah, so a broken man is basically what they call like deserters, basically who are living kind of wild. But he he just goes through and describes it in this really tragically empathetic kind of yeah, way. Yeah, like he talked like, about like you know how you're a young boy and like you're from like, this, like nowhere village and you're so excited you go off to war, but then like last years and like battles all blur into each other and like everyone you knew was dead and you find yourself doing and, all these horrible things you know like murdering raping stealing and then like just like you know when you break and you run yeah, yeah like one day you just look around here just like what the fuck is this and then you just yeah. like yeah you you break and you run yeah exactly and this is more or less the same thing he's like talking about how like it was just like less. It's less. Yeah, it's it's less. But he's talking about like you know like he was he was like you know an exemplary soldier. Once upon a time, he would do whatever he would do whatever he was ordered to do. But like just like one day, all of a sudden, it was just like one death too many. It actually reminded me a lot of the High Sparrow speech about the, oh, his, one day yeah. par- he, <laughs> he had fun once. and felt bad. <laughs> I had fun once. It was terrible. But like this actually had something behind yeah. it. I mean, it, it, like you know, Ian McShane is an exceptionally good actor. So he he makes it mm-hmm. meaning like he makes it have some kind of emotional resonance, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's supposed to be. It's never too late. Yeah, I, it's hopey changing. Yeah, it's supposed to be having some resonance for Sandor, right? It's supposed to be like, oh, I don't know because he never actually. <laughs> I mean, like, wait, I th- I think he's kind of like it, he looks like hmm, that's interesting. But then, like, as soon as there's a, th- but then lo and behold, a threat comes marching up, and he's immediately like, no. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Should we talk about this now? Or are you doing an analysis just recap? Or I don't know. I mean, I I think I think we have to talk about the full scene because okay. it's difficult to like. All it is is like Rory McShane gives like a look, not McShane. Rory, um, oh my god. Well, What's it's imp- Sanders. It's important. What's Sanders' actor's name? Rory Mc something. Mick. McCann. Rory McCann. Rory McCann. Yeah. More it's just Rory McCann looking like something is clicking. Well, but yeah, then- we're supposed to we're supposed to think that this is like some like he's he's talking to Sandor and saying it's not too late for you. I know you you yeah, were in the to, same to situation. Be honest, you were you were like a trained killer, just like I was I, I just kinda I kind of took it as like he doesn't care. He just wanted to like give Sandor a pep talk, and it's just for his benefit. And the villagers happened to be there. Well, welcome to the villagers. 
<laughs> the poor people. Oh God, they're just nothings. Yeah. All right. Um. Anyway, oh no. Oh no, these three like assholes just sidle up randomly. Yeah. One of them has a yellow cloak. Oh my god. Yeah, there just are three assholes on a horse Mm -hmm. and they're like asking for food and shit and uh, Ian McShane is trying to be like, you know, we don't, we, we can have, you can stay for dinner, but we need to eat too. Yeah, he's just like, do you have any horses or steel or provisions? And he's just like, no, we're like poor and simple. You can stay for dinner though. Yeah. And then they kind of ride away and they say the night is dark and full of terrors. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's how you know that the Brotherhood without banners. I don't understand why they come back and murder everyone, but uh, to steal the food, I think. I guess. All right. Sure. Well, why didn't they just do that right then? They wanted more dudes. I guess. I think there was more dudes involved. Oh, the finger up the ass, dude. Yeah. Like the f- yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um. So Sandor immediately gets like really mad, and you like he's mad. During this whole thing, and then you can see that he's like, sh- what does he do? Is he sharpening an axe yeah, he's, or cutting he's something? He wants to fight he's them. cutting firewood, and he um he says that they have to like be prepared to defend themselves. And Septon Mary is like, no, I'm a pacifist. We're not going to do that. We don't have anything they want. And like the whole, I think the implication is that he's like all like naive and shit, right? Yeah, yeah, I think he sa- he kind of says like, what was I supposed to tell them? Yeah. He's he's being really reasonable. Yeah. It's not like, you know, was it like, I'm a Septon, what was I supposed to do, punch him? Yeah, and then, you know, he says he's done with fighting, mm-hmm. just like John was, I guess. And uh, <laughs> Sander says, like, if they're gonna kill everyone. Yeah. That's, that's it. Uh, so I wonder who is gonna be proven right. Well, okay, so later on in the episode, um, Sandor, like, from the way the sun, like, it was cloudy, like, before, and now, like, I think the sun is setting, but, like, it looks like it's earlier in the day. I don't know. It's, it's a stupid detail. But, um... Um, I guess. He's, like, off chopping more wood. Yeah, and he, he just, hears, like, like he doesn't hear much. He hears, like, a scream. Yeah, and so he he comes back to where they're building the sept, and, like, there's, like, a field of corpses. Like, everyone is dead. And they're not even, like, the people aren't even looting. Like, they already took care of all of it. Yeah. This was a really quiet massacre. A very quiet and very quick massacre. And they just rode off, and it's just a field of corpses, except for Ray, they hung Ray. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible that Ian McShane didn't take this part seriously. Like, well, he said it's just tits and dragons. There, were, there weren't any tits or dragons in his stuff, though. He must, Maybe he wanted, like, he wanted to, like, have a scene involving tits and dragons, and he was really upset that there weren't any. I think it's just his impression of the show, and the agent is like, do it. He's like, oh... <laughs> If I must. But, um, no, like, that's it. That's the episode, and then... I have a question. You know, the hound looks really pissed. I have a question. Okay. What the fuck kind of nihilistic bullshit is this? I mean... This is, like, like I've never seen anything like this before in my life. <laughs> this is, like, like, Sartre would be like, dude, what the fuck? You need to have a little more faith in people. It's just, like, so heavy-handed. <sighs> like... It was just happy hobbits so that they, we could have a scene of them all dead. Because the world is just such a shitty place. When you have happy hobbits, they will all die. The, the Shire will be scoured. I mean, I guess this kind of village would be susceptible to this kind of violence, but like, what? It's not that there's a village that's susceptible to violence. It's that they set up this situation precisely so we can all learn what a horrible place the world is and how if you're happy, then you're a dipshit. Yeah. 
Like, you think that you, <laughs> I you guess. think that you can be peaceful and build a church and eat vegetables, and no, you're dumb. Well, you're not. You're dumb. You're Fuck dumb, you. Exactly. And and like, I just love that this whole. Sanders' arc is basically like, oh, I found this peaceful place to chop wood at for a second. Yeah. But then people killed them all, and I'm right, the world sucks. So now I'm gonna go on a rampage. Like, that's it. Like, why? I mean, we'll talk about it more collectively. We have to go on to the next episode. Yeah, what's the next episode? It's no one, and it opens <laughs> no back one in the has no plot. Oh my god. And it's this scene of four guys two are older two are younger sitting around I, I don't think we talk about this Julia you know what we can skip it it's just like a stupid like joke that like if I saw a bunch of 12 year old boys make, <laughs> making this joke I'd tell them to grow the fuck up okay <laughs> I think one of them was one of the riders right two of them were okay it's just like the one the bald guy fools one of the younger people with them we don't even know who these people are in so that he can stick his fingers up his butt not talk about it okay so they're acting like and then he says the line smells like pussy to me i don't want to talk about it kylie they're acting like morons. this is an emmy winning show they're acting like morons and then oh look it's the canine he's magically appeared with an axe he just charges yeah he's like on foot he's on foot And he just like kills them. He kills them all. And the one, like the 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 one guy who sexually assaulted that other guy just now was all like, what does he do? He like he guts him with the axe, or does he like axe him in the in the crotch or something? I don't know. I I I have no idea. And he's just like, where's the other one? The one with the yellow cloak. And then he tells the bald one that he's shit at dying. Yeah, because he says, fuck you, and then he's like, fuck you, those are your last words? Come on, you can do better, cunt, you're shit at dying. Yes, it's so, so entertaining. Kylie, <laughs> what the fuck is, how did this happen to me? Why am I here? I, I, I am happen an, to me? I am an educated, sophisticated woman, okay? <laughs> I'm a professional with the family. Why am I here? Why am I talking about this stupid show with people shoving fingers up each other's asses? I think this is my broken man moment. I don't even think, like... It's not even the fingers of the asses. It's that then it just cuts to fucking Rory McCann with the giant axe. Like, he's just there. He's just well, I, I there think the show has finally stuff. broke me. I, no, we I, to talk about Larry. I'm a broken man. Okay, well, Brienne and Pod are just got to river roundabout, so try to try to rein it back in. I don't think I, I don't think I can't. No, you have to. Come on, we're we're so close. Okay. <laughs> I I need a moment, Kelly. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's healthy for us to do more. Oh. Anyway, so Brienne and Pod have reached River Roundabout because what is the timeline? And and they're allowed to creep up on the army. Well, they like. Well, they're like there. They're within sight of the army. Well, they get captured. And then, like, yeah, those scouts come. Like, why didn't the scouts come a long time ago? Which is, and then she just says, "Oh, can I go see Larry?" She spots him, doesn't she? Yeah, he's he's still riding epically through the camp. 
Yeah, so she spots him and she's like, yeah, I'm here to see Larry. I mean, like, what's his face? Galage? He's pretty fucking hot. Like, he looks pretty hot riding that horse epically. Are you Bronn? <laughs> sure. We'll get there. But then the next scene is Pod and Bronn reunited. Yeah, they're talking about Pod's magical penis. It's really weird because it begins with Bronn giving him a noogie. Yeah. And then, and then he starts talking about, like, it, it, there's something off with Bronn's scripting, I'm telling you. He, he's <laughs> like, he immediately starts talking about, like, Pod's magical penis, uh-huh. and then, like, how hot Larry is. It's really weird, like, I'm fucking, um, yeah, Patrick fucking Payne, I thought you'd be dead by now. Not yet. Are they in there? Uh-huh. Do you think they're fucking? What? No? Why not? I'd fuck her. You'd fuck her, wouldn't you? I'm her squire. <laughs> oh, well, he'd fuck her, that's for sure. And she'd fuck him, don't you think? The way she looks at him? The way all women look at him is frankly irritating. I preferred working with the little brother on that account. Come on! You're the one with the magic cock! You must have shown it to her by now. And Pond's just like, she's she's turning me to fight. <laughs> like, this is how the entire thing goes. Yeah. He's just, he's so, he just keeps talking about sex and penises and Larry being hot. <laughs> and then he, like, tries to, tra- oh, I'll show you how to fight. And then he just, like, punches Pod when Pod's not ready. And I just, like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is any of this? It's just, he really comes across as, like, creepy or maybe drunk or, like, <laughs> something. Like, something isn't right with this man. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right, but he's super competent at everything and hilarious. Okay, so anyway, inside the tent, Brianna and Larry are not fucking. Darn. And she tells Larry that, you know, she found Sansa, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, all happy. He's like, oh, I figured she was dead. And Brianna says, why? He's like, well, in my experience, girls like her don't live very long. And I'm I'm glad that they fixed her so she's not useless anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, Larry probably, like, you know, knew that she sewed. But Larry, he That's is true. being a tad patronizing when he speaks to Brienne. Was that the case before? Uh, might have been. How do you mean? He just, like, has this, like, tone of, like, I'm speaking to a little girl. I mean, it's not quite as bad as Sam when he speaks to Gilly, but it's the same kind of thing. I have a theory that he has no idea how to play his character. I don't particularly blame him. Yeah, like, how would anyone <laughs> at this point? <laughs> Um, anyway, the scene's really strange because they basically both just realize that they're on opposite sides of a war. Yeah, they, like, just realize this. Even though they've been, they've never been on the same side of a war. Yeah. Anyway. Like, to date. Brienne wants Larry to, uh, take River Roundabout without bloodshed because... They swore a vow? (sighs) I don't... Did she mention that? I don't think she did. No. I mean, Larry, she I mean, that? Jamie. Jamie swore a vow to never take up arms against the Tullys or the Starks. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Bri- Brienne basically says, I want the Tully army for Sansa, yeah. so, like, you should let them go. And Larry and... agrees to this? I mean, like, he thinks that the Blackfish will never go for it. But, like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's really strange. It's really, really strange. But uh, the, the, what they re- end up on is that mm-hmm. if Brienne can go into River Roundabout and convince Blackfish to fight for Sansa, then Larry's just going to let them go. That's really bad. That's, like, no. Why would you, like, to to fight against the Boltons who are allied with the Lannisters? Or why would Larry- were? I don't, I have no idea what the situation is there. But Yeah. Apparently Brienne is stubborn. Well, if you say that, then it must be true. She probably was back in season two and three. Guess. 
But yeah, no, Larry agrees to this. And then Brienne's like, okay, by the way, uh, I fulfilled the... I fulfilled the vow of this sword, so here it is. Even though, like, Arya... Like, well, she dude, saw she's Arya. Like... She just kind of reditched her. Or she looked for her for days or something. I don't know. And Larry's like, no, no. That sword's for you. Yeah. And he gets this face. Uh, I think it's supposed to be, like, a face of love triangle. I was talking about this with Yana, and she was like, yeah, they were making hard eyes at each other. I said, were they? Kind of. <laughs> so, kind of. It's kind of hard okay. eyes. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not quite, like, you know... Anne Bonnie, hard eyes, but no, no, no. Well, nothing's like Anne Bonnie looking at Max. No. <laughs> like, that thing's ever going to be like that. <laughs> That's that fucking scene in season three when like Max is in the tub and Anne's like, "Oh, look at my wife." <laughs> anyway, instead of talking about a better show, we go inside <laughs> River Roundabout, where the Blackfish is doing that thing that a lot of people on the show do where they just stomp angrily away from someone and that's how you can get that they're being dismissive even though that's how you would never treat with someone. No. But whatever. Well, he has like CG and running he's... things to do, you know? He's busy. Yeah, I guess. What is what is he doing exactly? He's doing CG things. But he just said sieges were boring. He did just say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, he's... <laughs> he's... <laughs> <laughs> he's really not impressed with Brienne no. at all. And he, like, doesn't believe and that Sansa's like, really Sansa. Yeah, he's like, I already told you. No. And she keeps just, like, following him around with the letter. Yeah, he, she's just like, dude, read the letter. And so he finally manages to read the letter. And then he says that Brittany's just like Cat because reasons. It, he, he's just like her. I, I don't know. But, I like, know. He, can't, he can't take the Tully army to help fight for Sansa because reasons... Well, I mean, he I is in the middle of a trust- castle, and yeah, he doesn't trust that Larry. Well, he doesn't trust Larry, which is reasonable, and he doesn't trust Brienne. Be like, well, it's okay, I trust Larry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that that scene ends. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. We we just we go on and on and on and on about the most unsubstantive scenes, but these scenes are just so unsubstantive that even we are just like, okay, this happens. We must move on. Uh, well, like he reads a letter, he's like, oh, cool letter, but no. Yeah. And so then we cut to Edmure and Larry reenacting, you know, the rest of Jamie Six and ruining his favorite scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in the series. It's just so like, like cinematic. Yeah, well, like the way, like the way that Martin like paints the picture with the words. It's like, like you can just see it, and it's really good, and it's like all charactery. Anyway, so it should have a visual adaptation. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um. Anyway, so. Edmir is, like, just chilling in this tent, and he's, like, tied to a post, because that's how you treat highborn prisoners. And Well, he was bathed. And what's funny is that like, Larry's like, you'll never be mistreated again. He's tied to a yeah. post! I mean, like, uh, when Jamie was a prisoner at Riverrun, like, at first he had, like, a proper room in a tower, and then he intended to escape, and that's when he ended up in the dungeon. But mm-hmm. as far as you know, Edmir hasn't tried to escape or anything like that. He's just kind of, like, tied to a post. He, he just sits there. Yeah. Anyway, he apparently he's been in the cell for years. Yeah. Years, Julia. And years. He, has, he has a little baby son. I mean, I guess it would have taken years for, uh, you know, the the floppy hapergate to really... Or no, for uh, Blackfish to really mount a good siege against the phrase holding. Did he mount a siege or was it some kind of sneak attack? I don't know. He took it off screen. We just have to imagine. I, I imagine it's some kind of like Theon taking Winterfell kind of situation. Mm, mm. Okay, we should we should write a fanfic about what happened. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, he has a son, and he's kind of just like bitching about being a prisoner. Mm. And Larry's like, "Well, you know, he rose up against the king." 
And then, what, Edmure thinks Larry's yeah, hot? Yeah, he's, he's like, you're a good-looking fellow, aren't you? <laughs> Why does everyone tell Larry that he's hot? He's hot. Okay, but, like, hot enough where everyone's commenting on it? I guess. Uh, it's really strange. But then he also starts going, like, how do you live with yourself? Yeah, how do you, the, yeah, because he's all, like, Edmure's kind of upset about his entire family being massacred, you know, which is reasonable. Yeah. And he's all just, like, what are you doing, like, coming in here talking about my sister and talking about my son and just, like, you're kind of an asshole, yeah, Larry. Cause, yeah, because Larry's trying to be like, I liked Kat. Yeah. I didn't agree with her, but I liked her. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, Larry's trying to bond or something. I have no idea. And so he makes uh, this connection between um, Larry, uh, between Kat and Carol because they're both, like, really oh into their God. kids. Right. And I, this I, is the point where Edmure literally starts banging his head against the pole. <laughs> He's just like because he's book snob Edmure. Over, let it be over. Because he's book snob Edmure, and he knows that like it is interesting to compare Cersei and Cat, but not in the way Larry's doing. Yeah, but like he does, he says this whole thing about like okay, so like okay, this is probably the most important part of the entire plotline for us because um, what he says is he says that Cat released him for the sake of her children to save Arya and Sansa. And he's in the situation now where he has this siege that he has to resolve because he belongs with Carol and he has to go back to Carol and he can't do that without lifting the siege. And then he says... The love she had for her children. I was a little awed by it. Reminded me of my sister. Oh, you're a madman. I'm not here to trade insults. Your sister was strong. She loved her children. I suppose all mothers do, but Catelyn and Cersei, there's a fierceness you don't often see. They do anything to protect their babies, start a war, burn cities to ash, free their worst enemies. The things we do for love. You didn't come here to talk about our sisters. That's exactly why I came here. I love Cersei. You can laugh at it if you want. You could sneer. Doesn't matter. She needs me. And to get back to her, I have to take River Run. I'll send for your baby boy, and I'll launch him into River Run with a catapult. Because you don't matter to me, Lord Edmure. Your son doesn't matter to me. The only people- the people of the castle don't matter to me. Only Cersei. And if I have to slaughter every Tully who ever lived to get back to her, that's what I'll do. So, what they're doing here, which is what upsets <laughs> me, is they're- they're making a connection between, like, the- the bond of affection that Catelyn had for her children- and the bond of affection that Larry has with Carol. And this uh-huh. is meant to be like a favorable comparison. I guess. Like, or at least an equivalency. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah, and it's just really bad too because the whole thing with Larry, it was Larry, oh my god, with Jamie mm-hmm. in this scene too, is that he's basically doing a carrot and a stick thing for Edmure. Yeah. And like, but this, this entire arc for Jamie is he, He's, like, thinking over the conflict between his conception of himself and what he wants to be. You know, he wants to be Arthur Dane, basically. Not Dominator. Arthur Dane. He wants to be, like, this kind of, like, ideal, honorable knight. But he's he has so much baggage with everybody. You know, everybody knows his history. They know what he he did to Eris. And, like... Everyone suspects what's going on with Cersei. Yeah, and they don't... Like, his word is just not... Like, nobody takes his word for anything. He's just, like, why should... They're, like... You know, nobody trusts him, nobody he like there's a complete disconnect between how he sees himself and how he wants to be seen and how yeah. everybody sees him and how everybody treats him. And he's very cognizant of that. And there's these there's moments where he's just like, you know, I'm going to be, you know, golden hand the dust. There's other moments where he's just like 
fuck it, I'm going to use people's perceptions of me to get what I need. And like, this is, this is one of those moments where he's just like, you know, thinking about Edmure and how, how sorry he feels for him and everything like that. He's just like, I need to take this castle. So, you know, he thinks I'm a monster who kills children. So I'm going to let him think that I would actually like launch his son with the trebuchet and that's how I'm going to get this castle. But yeah, it's, it was sort of like using yeah, that. And he, but it's yeah. not, he's not like, like he's kind of like he has that Lannister quality of being a little, a little taken by his own cleverness. But he's not, he's not, oh, yeah, yeah. he's not proud of himself that he, he's gone to this extremity. You know, it, it, like he feels like it's a cop out. But like Larry actually means all this bullshit. He, yeah, like, that's true. Because like, like all I this think, shit about Jamie, like he actually believes it. Like, Jamie has to be using his brain and doing shit in a different way than what he's used mm-hmm. to. Like, because he, like, thinks that constantly, like, you know, back in the old days, back when, like, you know, I had my hand, I could have just, like, hit yes. him over the head with the sword and all my problems would be solved. I can't do that anymore. Yes. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But this is something else entirely. I don't even know what it is. Like, he loves Carol, I guess. He loves Carol. That That's his compelling motivation. Everything he does is, you know. Because he wants to be, to be, he wants to have joint lateral poses. I don't know. I don't know what this is at all. Anyway, so Edmure is a book snob, so he's just like, you know what, Larry, let's just pretend we had Jamie Six from Feast for Crows. I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to go to River Run. It'll be fine. Well, because what I was going to say is, like, when I was watching mm-hmm. this, I actually thought, I thought weirdly, and, and this was so naive of me, I was like, you know what, there actually is a little bit of meaning in Larry's arc. Because his scene with Brienne and his scene with Blackfish mm-hmm. both sort of got at, like, who are you? Why should we deal with you at all? You're just a Lannister, yeah. like... And Brienne was really making him think, am I even on the right side of this war? And then, like, the scene with Edmure. Edmure goes, how do you live with yourself? So I thought it was going to be, like, Larry coming to terms with his identity. Yeah. But then he just starts screaming about how much he loves Carol. Like, if you think Which back the, to season... Like, was it season three with the bathtub scene? Where, yeah. like, he says that, like, you know, killing Eris was the best thing I ever did. It was the most, like, knight-like thing I've ever did, basically. Like, he saved yeah. God knows how many people from being blown up. You know, he, like, and, but it's... God, the show didn't suck. Yeah, it didn't suck. And, like, but it's the thing that everyone hates him for, right? And, like, this is him trying to kind of, like, trying to do the opposite of that, you know? Doing something good to do something okay. bad, right? I guess. <laughs> Is that meaning? Because his scene, in his his arc in season five, remember, was about discovering how much he loved Carol and doubling down on committing to like being an awesome dad. Yeah. Meaning, so it's just kind of a, like a repeat again. Except Madison is dead now. I don't know. Yeah, like I guess we could say it's a reversal of him doing what he did in the bathtub. But is there a meaning there, or is it just that it's an accidental reversal because they butchered his character that thoroughly? Well, of course, it's I. I'm just... I don't know. Are we supposed to like Larry? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Because he's charmingly befuddled. Okay. Let's just move anyway, on. Anyway, so Edmure, um, he approaches River Run in the middle of the night with a torch. Why he has to do this in the middle of the night, I don't know. But, um, so he's... And they're all like, who's there? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's me. I'm the lord of this castle. Let me in. And there's this, like, random guy... I don't know who he is. He's, like, literally a random guy. 
who's just like, oh, we gotta let him in. He's the Lord. He's my Lord, my Lord. And Blackfish is like, no, that's literally the stupidest thing you can possibly do because, like, he's clearly doing this under duress. Like, were these don't people let him not in, prepared you asshole. for this moment? Yeah, like they know that Edmure is there. They know he's a prisoner. Yeah, like, they know that he has like a wife and a kid that they can hang over his head. So, but you know, this guy's like really into like serving the Lord. Yeah, he's like, no, I gotta, I gotta let him in because he's my Lord, my Lord. And so then they let him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this, this rando is all like, hello, welcome home, my lord. I like this guy. I feel like we should give him a name. I, I, I don't, I don't know Mark. Mark? Sure. What's wrong? looks like a Mark. I wrote Andrew in my notes, so I didn't shoot my, where? Andrew? Andrew? Oh, Andrew? Okay, let's go Did with Did you not read yeah. my notes? I'm looking at them now. Okay. Okay. All right, Drew, sure. <laughs> so Andrew is like, welcome home. <laughs> And Edmure is just like, <laughs> yeah, let down the castle. We're going to get the Lannisters in. And poor Andrew has this, like, he's devastated. He's got this crestfallen. Yeah, he's just like, I trust you. I believed in you. You're my lord. I think he has an arc. Yeah, yeah. He sheds the idolization of his. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, at least Andrew gets an arc. Someone yeah. deserved it. So anyway, um, Edmure orders. Uh, Andrew and his buddies to find pop up Blackfish and put him in chains, which is quite different from how it happened in the books. Um, yeah, no, in the books, just quickly, Edmure helps him escape, basically. Yeah, well, he's in River Run for like he's given like two days or something, like to convince everyone to. Yeah, uh, and so he ends up giving up the castle, and like when they search the castle to look for the Blackfish, like, oh, he's not there, and there, and Jamie was like. What the fuck, Edmir? Where's where's Blackfish? And he's just like, oh, he swam away. So and it's kind of like uh, a Chekhov's gun right fish, now. What the hell? Fish, where, fish do that. Yeah, where of the Blackfish is now and what he's doing. But no, Edmir wants him to be handed over. Yeah, which is just rude. And uh... or just like like they couldn't have had like even a conversation where he's just like, I'm sorry or something like that. And no, Blackfish they're really is pissed like, at each other. I don't even know why. Yeah, and Blackfish is just like, yeah, I get it. Like you know, you got stuff and i'm just an old dude who has nothing so it's fine hug let's hug but like yeah. god forbid people like love each other except for family likes Carol. each other yeah no so um so then he helps so, uh, he helps brienne is brienne is yeah yeah, yeah he's leading them off like I, yeah. I i i can show you the way out and so brienne's like why don't you come with us because there's no reason she says, "Don't die for pride when you can fight for your blood." Yeah, you mean Sansa, which, which is actually compelling at this point. Yeah, I, like come I up know. north, help help your great niece. I'm sure and, it'll be you great. Know, Turtle Pace had that great observation, mm-hmm. and we used this. Uh, uh, I think I used it in one of my fallacy pieces, maybe part two. I'll find it and link it. But about how like Brienne's arc is just like meaningless and non-existent because remember she could have like referenced when you know Cat said like uh, fight for the living not the dead yeah when after Renly died but and the show they changed it to be like you can't revenge him from your grave or whatever yeah so at least Brienne could have said like hey you can't get revenge from your grave come with us she could have at least said that but she didn't she said she still said you know there's no point to die for pride when you could fight for your blood which i still think is compelling yeah it's just like as an argument is it it's not clever but it's compelling and blackfish is like nah yeah yeah they only paid me for these two episodes acting contracts come on man (laughs) 
So then he dies fighting so, off screen. Yeah, oh, can't believe that. People were so pissed. Mm, they should have been. This was an episode people got pissed at because this was also the episode where Arya got stabbed at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, some Lannister rando comes to tell Larry about Blackfish being dead and he's just like, oh, that sucks. And then he's looking out onto the river and there's a little boat there. That nobody else sees. No one else sees, but then, like, Brienne can tell Larry's looking at her. So she waves. <laughs> she actually waves, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't understand. This is, like, a tiny boat, like, hundreds of feet away from this castle at this point. It is pitch black. And she waves. I think I think we need an, uh, an updated version of O'Carroll, okay. where she has an X over her face. I need to do a share it, baby, for next season. Hey. All, All right. right. So then, oh god, <laughs> fuck the scene. I, do they think this is funny? I don't know. So what 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 is this, Julia? So it's the canine just kind of stopping over the place in the river end somewhere. And I think he's not limping anymore. I don't know. He was limping before. Oh, I'm not sure if he's limping. It's, his anger healed him. Okay. And lo and behold, he stumbles across Thoros of Mir, Beric Dondarrion, and like a couple rando Brotherhood Without Banners yeah. dudes about to hang the one with the lemon the lemon, lemon cloak, I guess. Yeah. And two other people. Yeah. Who must have been involved in the raids. And Thoros... It must be said, Bookstop Thoris, he has Holden Halfmaster's hairdo. <laughs> and, yeah, they keep, like, using girl as an insult. Which he is does. He's, like, there's this one guy who's, like, holding an arrow at uh, the canine, and he's just like, you shoot, like, a girl, and you're a girl, and I'm gonna kill you, like, a, I don't know, he just keeps calling him a girl, like, it's super embarrassing. Hey, so. Julia, is a bunch of Nazis an expression that makes sense? Are there Nazis in, Wes- <laughs> in Weiseroff? Um, I guess. Like, that expression comes from the name Nancy, doesn't it? I have no idea where it comes from. Okay. But, yeah. Anyway, so the canine, he wants wants to kill these dudes himself because they killed his buddy Ray. But the Brotherhood is like, no, we're going to hang them. And he's all upset because he wants to, like, kill them in a brutal and slow fashion. And hanging is too merciful. Yeah, basically they say we're not butchers. There's this whole, it's it's a whole thing. Like, the scene lasts, like, five fucking minutes. Yeah, and then finally they agree to let him kill two of them by kicking the block or whatever. Yeah. The, it's like a log. And he does, and then he, like, immediately takes Lem Lemon Cloak's, like, boots. Is this supposed to be funny? I don't, I don't know. And then they, they're starting, they're eating. Hard to find. Yes, I know. <laughs> then they, like... Go get a snack together around a campfire or something. Yeah, they're eating rabbit, I think. But the canine prefers chicken. Oh, no, yeah, he prefers chicken. Oh my god. He's a meme. <laughs> He's not even a character at this point. He's just a meme. He likes... But, like, was that chicken conversation that funny? Was that successful? I yes. thought it was really annoying. Like, at the time. And I was still a show fan when I was watching that the first time through. I just thought it was really annoying. It's like, I don't... Well, because I also didn't understand why, like, their adventures were continuing for another season, but... <sighs> I guess I guess they thought it was really successful. I guess. In the same way, I guess they wanted... I guess they figured everyone would want to know how, you know, Shodor, you know, got his name. Anyway, so Thoros and Dondarrion, they're going to go they're north. Trying to rec- and they're trying to recruit this crazy man for some reason. Who likes to go piss in rivers so we can see his penis and all the fangirls can squee. 
you know, I actually blinked and missed it. it. Was it that amazing? No, I mean, it's not like, it's just like a flaccid penis about to urinate. Like, and it's, it's very <laughs> blinking, you miss it. All right. And then, yeah, basically Barak convinces Sandor because he's like, there's a great war coming and then you'll get to fight more. And and he's just like, I know there, there's this whole thing where he's just like, you know, we tried, I tried to be all peaceful and make a church, but it didn't work out for me. So I guess I'll do this. It's weird. Was that him trying? <sighs> that is just injured and recovering. <laughs> I don't know. He still wanted to fight immediately when those dudes showed up. What are you saying that this arc isn't even an arc? Is that what you're telling me? Anyway, he agrees to go north. Yay! Yay! Hello, hooray! That is the end of the canines arc for the season. It was so meaningful. Well, oh my god! Okay, on to Larry. Let's just conclude this. In Winds of Winter, fuck you. Okay, so in Winds of Winter, fuck you. Larry and Bron are at the Twins, the home of the Floppy Hat Brigade, and Argus Filch is there, or Argus Spray. What the fuck are we calling these people, Kylie? Oh, sorry, Argus Felch, yeah. Argus Felch. No, but that's... Yeah. Walder Fridge. Walder Felch. That's what we're calling him. Walder Felch. Walder Felch. Walder Felch. And then he's, like, testing the Lannisters, but he does this really weird thing where he goes, okay, and now we're going to let them all hear us say the phrase of the Lannisters, send their regards. Did they all hear Roose Bolton, like, whisper that to Rob? I guess it's the official, it's the official word of their alliance now. That's... Like, but... That's not what that was. No, it, that is indeed not what that was. They didn't even do it right in the show because they wanted to like not have it be just on um, Jamie. I think because it was supposed to. It was supposed to, in the books. It was just this offhand thing mm-hmm. where Roos is like, "I'm going to go see Rob," and Jamie goes, "Oh, give him my regards." And then yeah. Roos walks up to Rob and says, "Jamie Lannister gives his regards," and then stabs him. Like it wasn't. It's not this big thing. It's not this big momentous thing. And then he, they changed it to the Lannisters send their regards, and they had and they had Jamie even be like, "Tell him the Lannisters send their regards," as if he like knew what was going to happen, which he obviously didn't, because they just wanted to distill like the you know onus on Jamie. And now the phrase in the Lannisters send their regards is like their battle cry. Yeah, it's the official word of their alliance. Oh my god, it's just stupid. And I love that like Larry's just like at the cheap seats too for this. <laughs> Yeah, why is he on the dais with the lord of the castle? That's really weird. He's just, like, chilling in in the, you know, in the hall at a random table. with his his buddy Bronn. They're just kind of chilling, and all those serving wenches are flirting with them. Yeah, why is Arya making flirty eyes at... Because he's just that hot, Kylie. Okay, yeah. Are you saying that Arya doesn't have, like, sexual desire? I think she might just be like, oh, that's Jamie Lannister. I think she's just kind of, like, checking him out. But then Bronn immediately takes that to be like, oh, you're so hot. Everyone thinks you're so hot. Yeah, they want, and then they want like your this, golden fingers up their twats. Yeah, yeah. then there's, like, two other girls, like, looking at them. Uh-huh. And Jamie's, and Larry's like, well, look, they seem to like you. No, they like you because you're really hot. <laughs> <laughs> so then Larry calls these girls over. He's like, this is Sir Bronn of the Blackwater. And he's really heroic. And then... Then they Bron immediately, goes, like, walk off not- to have a threesome. Yeah. And Bron goes, what if I'm not in the mood? And then it's finally like, okay, fine. Ugh. I mean, do they think that threesomes are that easy to arrange? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so Bron goes off to have a threesome grudgingly. Yeah. And then Frey, or Filch, pops up. He just kind of wanders over lampshade. because of this, this Walder Frey can walk. Um, yeah, he just pops up to Lampshade Phil, uh, Blackfish dying off screen. 
Why this isn't is his, like, 14-year-old wife at this party? She can't even come to parties? No. <laughs> and Larry can't go on the dais. It's a weird party. <laughs> um, and he actually starts talking about, like, oh, you know, everyone makes fun of me, and, you know, but look at me now. I won. And and Larry starts being like, but you're not a good fighter. You can't fight. Yeah. And Faye's, Faye, like, he's strong he's in the real way. He's just like, yeah, well, I didn't fight, but here I am. <laughs> I lack physical prowess, but I'm still winning every fight I've ever tri- entered into. And then he, I think he tries to bond with Larry yeah. by calling them, like, like look, we're both, both- slayers. And Larry gets, like, really upset. Which would make sense if he were Jamie. But Jamie except would never be into this stupid-ass situation. <laughs> except it seems like he's just getting upset because she was the one who did all that. Yeah. He wasn't upset that he was bonding. He was like, no, you didn't win anything. It was because I bailed your ass out. What do we even need you for? And then he, like, storms away. I have no idea where, but he just storms away. Yeah, he's, I don't know. Maybe he has sex with Arya. Filch decides it's a really good party. So, <laughs> no, he he loves Carol. He would never do That's that. That's true. Filch decides it's a really good party and he's going to stay up after all his guests go to bed and he'd pie alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets stabbed. <laughs> Anyway, uh, then we cut some indeterminate amount of time later. Mm. Larry and Bron ride to a still-smoking Cheryl's Landing because she blew it up. Oh my god, the timeline, Kylie. The timeline. And then Larry walks in to see Cheryl get coordinated and he looks sad. And there's a, there's a cello version of the Plinky Piano music. That's really nice. <laughs> That's it. That's the plot line. Oh, good job, us. What are we Yay. supposed to do? Talk about analysis? I mean, okay, we're at like an hour and a half. Are but, we seriously um, at an hour and a half? Yep. I mean, we had, we cut out a couple times. How did we do that? I don't know. I actually don't know. So let's just break this down real fast. I don't think it's going to be that hard because there's nothing to this. No, there's nothing to this at all. Sando's arc was, hello, we're nihilists. Aren't we edgy? (laughs) And we brought back a meme and we thought that it was like so important to focus on him that it needed a fucking cold fucking open. He's going to be in the next season. He was in that stupid montage of costumes. Yeah. I, like, I, why does anyone even care about them? Honestly. Because he likes show. chicken. But he's exactly the same as, like, Braun mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Like, what's the, there, there's so many, like, plucky, sassy sword fighters who say fuck a lot. Like, what distinguishes like him? Carl fucking Tanner. There's, there's seriously nothing to his arc. He just exists again. He tried the church building thing. The world is sad and you should feel sad. And then he goes on a killing spree. And then he's going north with the people that were like off, that just didn't exist for three seasons. That's it, right? Yeah. Am I, am I being too like dismissive? I really don't think you are. I mean, like, like that entire like kind of like interlude in the Shire would make a very nice short story written by Jean-Paul Tartre. But other than that, I have no idea what it is. I think it was to pad an episode. Honestly. Anyway. What the hell is this show? Alright, um, no, I I mean, I just, I don't think there's any more to say about Xander, I'm sorry. No, there there really isn't, like, there's something kind of sort of like this in A Storm of Swords, where when he's still with Arya, where he's, they stop off at this village for, like, two weeks, and he, like, builds them a palisade. Yeah. And there's this, like, whole thing where, like, like, for a moment you think that maybe they'll stay there and, like, just live, but, like, they kick him out as soon as he's done. Yeah. It's kind of like that. But Arya's really miserable sure. there. There's this stupid little girl who falls around with a doll. Oh my god, I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what this is, Julia. <laughs> 
I mean, but like it's the closest thing I can find. Like, think because where where Sandor is right now is that like after like Arya leaves him for dead because um he gets like an infection, right? Yeah, and he's dying, and he ends up getting picked up by these monks who live on this island by the mouth of the Trident quiet called Isle. the Quiet Isle, yeah. and he's like they're recovering as as far as we know, he's like a novice monk now. Yeah, I mean, he's not talking. Yeah, he's because yeah, he's taking, taking a, graves he's for take, them. He's taking a vow of silence. And, like, the elder brother who talks about him, like, like Brienne doesn't know lot. who he is uh, in the scene, but, like, it's kind of obvious to the reader. He's just yeah. like that, like, you know, the hound died. And, right. Like, and then Sandor is at peace. And Sandor is yeah. at peace. Yeah, basically. And, um, like, the fandom is kind of um, divided over whether or not he will have any further role in the pl- in the plot. I don't see why he would, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, I suppose. But some sure. people think that he has, there's this dangling threat with him and Sansa. Which, um, um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, um, uh, that's not this either. <laughs> no? Uh, like... Although Santans are getting excited because he's going north. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm but, glad they're happy. Um, like, but just... I just don't, I don't see the show going this direction or doing anything with this character beyond more chicken jokes. Yeah, and, and just like, no, but this is the whole Shire interlude is just so, like, offensively nihilistic. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's worse than burning Shireen. It's like, mm-hmm. just, like, it's yep. just there so we can be all like, oh, the world is so horrible. It's like, it's like, you know, The Wall, you know that short story? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that, but like, that actually had a point much more than this did. So let's talk about Larry then. <laughs> Larry loves there's no point. We're not going to tease out anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't understand what Larry, I don't understand why they did this with Larry. Well, because he goes to Riverrun in the books, so they figured that they should do that at some point, I guess. He sent, they sent him to Dorne last season. Don't give me that. Yeah, I know. The, the, why didn't they send him to Riverrun last season? This, this could have worked just as well last season as it did this season. But then he wouldn't have had a nice moment with Madison before she dies. Yeah, because that added so much. I mean, none of this adds anything. And, like, this was so weird because I'm watching Jamie Six. I mean, what did, it. what did the entire, like, River Run, we call, there's a reason we called it River Roundabout. It's because, like, you could have had it last Only. season. He could have done that instead of Dorn. Nothing would have had to change. Yeah. And he could You're have gone to Dorn this season instead of last season, and not much would have had to change there either. You are not incorrect. Um, in terms of, as terms of Larry's arc, and we kind of touched on this already, it sort of seemed like he was set up to challenge who he was and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, then maybe it would have... There's shades and, of it. Like, you can, and, you can tell that Brian Cogman read A Feast for Crows, and he's just like, let's try to make it like this. But he couldn't because that's not the story that he had to tell in this episode. Well, and then, like, that would have made Larry's face at the end of the season make a little more sense, because why is he disappointed with Cheryl for doing exactly what he wanted her to do? Yeah, like, he spent the entire first half of the season yelling about how they have to kill all the sparrows. Like, literally. <laughs> I think it's, like, Corin, the new Project Voice, but, like, we have to kill the president. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, Cora! Use my car! We'll stash the body! <laughs> I just love politics are so boring. We have to kill him. <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, he was really committed to like, he was a feast for crows Cersei. Yeah. Yelling about how they needed to get revenge. Yeah. And those stupid insolent sparrows with their stupid dirtiness or whatever. I don't know. And then Carol took care of the problem yeah. as Cheryl. And he was disappointed with her because I guess, like, did he come? 
did he have a comeuppance about who he was? I don't think he did because when would that have the, happened exactly? Because he yelled at Edmure about how much he loved Carol, and then his big moment to water was saying like, "No, I did this, not you." Bye. Maybe that was him like realizing the bullshitism of the feudal order, and he had a complete change of heart about everything sure. in his life off screen. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I, I have no idea why he would be upset with Carol. Not at all. But obviously, so we they can need- honeypot an arc for him, and that's it. Obviously, that's what they need for uh, to happen, right? Maybe he was upset with Carol because he was like, "Wait a second, shouldn't I get this crown, not you?" Yeah, like, why do you get the credit? First, Walder Frey got the credit. Now she gets the credit. What about Larry? Is Maybe that just his arc? Sure. Um. Yep. Like, what am I supposed to say, dude? I don't, like, I don't know. Like, just I've <laughs> just I, I'm sorry, Kylie. The show broke me. I don't know. What about Brienne? Can we say anything about Brienne? She goes down she's here, just she fucks a giant up, and she mountain leaves. To fail. That's what she is. She's, <laughs> she's done nothing but fail, like, this entire show. <laughs> Has she ever succeeded at anything? She couldn't protect Renly. Yeah, she's, she's terrible at everything she does. Yeah, she couldn't find Sansa, and then she did find Sansa, did nothing about it. Uh, like, oh my god. She couldn't stare at a castle without getting distracted. She, she saved. She saved Sansa from the hounds. That was helpful. I guess that was helpful. I mean, Theon did most of that, that with her magical GPS, and she knew. She just like intuited that they had left. Whatever. This is. She just. She Kylie, came into this plotline and failed. There but. is nothing here. There is nothing here to discuss. <laughs> How are we going to write about this? Larry and they put Larry and Brienne in a scene together. Like it was nice, I guess. Think about the end of A Dance with Dragons when Brienne and Jamie meet again and you're like, oh my god, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But then they take these quote unquote same characters and put them in a scene together. And it's just like, what are you doing? I, mean, I guess there's sexual tension. I get like at best we can say that there yeah, like there probably was sexual tension, but that's not an arc. That's just like a thing that happened. And Larry agreed to her dumbass like suggestion. It makes no sense. <laughs> no. But then he was like we shouldn't argue about politics. Yeah, no you shouldn't. And why do they have a scene of, like, a man sexually assaulting another man for laughs? This is just nothing. This is just a hot load of nothing. But you know what? That's the that's what the piece is going to be. We're going to do an analysis, a recap, and then just wait, guys, there's nothing here. Like, we can't tease out meaning from this. I'm sorry. We can't. No, just, like, we can talk about it as an adaptation and why it's offensive that way. We can go back to our season five MO. I guess. I would like it. This is literally the opposite of Jamie's arc. I, I think that's worth a mention because mm. it is, especially because like he got dismissed from the Kicks Garden. That's like that affected him officially zero times. Yeah, that was just like removing the. I, I mean, don't even Jamie know why agonizes over like what outfit to wear every day. Like, should I wear my red cloak or my white cloak? Yeah, and like I don't understand why he couldn't have stayed in the King's Garden. And Thomas still sent him away as like a punishment. I mean, he was still in the King's Guard when Tommen sent him away. As a punishment, so in I mean, book, uh, Cersei sends him away as a punishment because he won't like. Yeah, that's, do that's what I'm saying. Wants. Like, why, why did they even strip him from the King's Guard? Why did they? Because do that? they wanted that scene that where he looked like Barry the Scary in season one. But why? Because that is just as meaningful as it was in season one. Are they trying to draw the parallel to him? They can't know because they killed Barry off last year. I just, I just. Yeah, but that was badass and memeable. Where and then like Littlefinger said, "A naked knight." Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done, Kylie. I'm done. I really am. Like, just... It's time for Checklist or Aspel. Okay. Alright. Checklist or Aspel. 
Blackfish dies off page and we learn about it later. No. Blackfish is going to do something pretty badass probably in the uh, Winds of Winter prologue. So you think Aspol. Aspol. I mean, yeah. he might I mean, die, <laughs> but... He might die, but this is definitely an Aspol that this is a matter of his death, yeah. 100%. Um, God, I don't even know. Checklist or Aspol? God. Uh, Checklist or Aspol, the Brotherhood Without Banner, like, raids the Quiet Isle and kills everyone in Sandor goes nuts again. That's a lot of things happening, <laughs> and why would we even be privy to that? I mean, like, they raided salt pans. That they did. That, that wasn't the Brotherhood Without of, Banners. That was the What point companions. of view would we learn this from, Julia? I don't know. We don't have a Sandor POV. I don't know. <laughs> I mean... It's your turn. Like, I guess... <laughs> check, oh, Chabot's checklist or Aspel, Sandor is gonna come back into the story. I mean, I don't... I don't think he will. Like... I see no need for him to, but a lot of people would disagree, so. so but I, you have to say, Ch- this is the game, you have to say. Ch- I suck himself. at this game, we've discussed this before. He's definitely not going to come back in this manner. No, definitely not in this manner. But come back at all, maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Aspel, sorry, just kill me, fandom. Okay, we will. <laughs> um, God, is there even any, like... <sighs> And what else is there? Oh, we didn't talk about something really important. What? We're done with Checklist or Aspel because I'm sorry, there's not even <laughs> enough here for me to come up with anything else. <laughs> sorry, guys, we tried. No, Bron is gay. We forgot to talk about this. Oh. Bron is obviously in love with Larry. Well, he might not be gay, but he's in love with yeah, Larry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for self-correcting there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like Filaria, right? I mean, like, it's very, like, the honeypot. Is barely a honeypot. It's not even a honeypot. He's it's obsessed. A, it's a reverse honeypot. Yeah. He is obsessed with Larry's looks, mm-hmm. and he's always speculating on his sex life. Yeah, and he's always, jealous like, of this... other people who are sexually attracted to him. And then he like keeps obs- ob- like asserting this weird machismo, like I'd fuck him, I'd fuck him. And then when Larry's like, "Well, here's two women to fuck," he's like, "Well, what if I wasn't in the mood?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, this is something else is going there on here, isn't takes, it?" <laughs> it takes very little work. To reverse honeypot this reverse honeypot. Yeah, like he's actually in love with Larry. And Pot is just like, what am I doing on this show anymore? No, um, seriously. First of all, like the actor who plays him is like 35. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just like obviously being directed to look like really like kind of dopey. He's such a good guy. Yeah, too. he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, like I follow him. It's Daniel Portman. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Instagram and he's just like a mensch. Yeah. How old is he? He's actually younger than me. He's yeah. 25. Oh, well, still 25. Yeah. But he's not, you know, he's not Squire age, if that's what you're asking. Well, Squires can be old. 25? Yeah. You could. Okay. I mean, so some people just, like, never become a knight. They stay a Squire forever. I guess. Um, they discuss it quite a I, bit in canon, you know. I just like his role in the scene where he's like, Bron, stop. Like, you're being really weird. Just <laughs> stop it. This isn't appropriate. Yeah, like, you know, I might have a magical penis, but I'm capable of having a relationship with a woman that's not sexual. <laughs> that's, like, basically what he's All saying. Right. Like, we're done. Uh, Are there any concluding thoughts you have on season five? Uh, or six. Season six. This was Jesus. I mean, like, the pacing is the worst I've ever seen in, like... <laughs> Like, I've, I've read stories written by seven-year-olds that have better pacing than this. I've certainly never read any story by seven, a seven-year-old that has worse pacing than this. I think it was obvious that they didn't have enough story no, to tell they for they obviously didn't. Season. But, and there was this whole thing where they had, like, the last two episodes were stuffed. But then, yeah. like, the first eight were, like, 50 but minutes were, long were they even- and full of filler. 
I don't even think the last two episodes were stuffed because the you know it was well, the, two battles. Yeah, well, the last for, episode was overtime. The last episode was stuffed because the they just wanted episode, to have a the conclusion. Second last episode yeah. was like fifty-seven minutes, but like there were like four episodes I think that were like fifty minutes long. Yeah, exactly, almost exactly. You could tell they got to that mark, and that included things where like it would take full two minutes to walk with John's body, yeah. like shit like that, or like a random scene where Danny's talking to about. A dragon on top of a dragon that, like, adds nothing to anything. They simply did not Mm -hmm. have enough story to tell because they don't have much of a story to tell. Honestly, I think that's that's the main thing. And, like, how many characters were in a complete, just, like, wheel-spinning mode? Right, because there's obviously more they could have gone into. Like, the campaign to get more troops to fight in Bastard Bowl, Mm -hmm. that could have easily been more detailed and probably should have been. You know who wrote about this rather insightfully on Instagram, on uh, Tumblr? No. Turtle-based. Oh, look at that. Well, she's doing, like, this, this, yeah. this new um, thing well, where she's talking about, like, um, like what they could have done kind of thing. And she's talking about, like, how they missed Those this, were so good. They missed the opportunity because they had the perfect setup for this. They're talking about, like, with John and Sansa, like, basically both trying to get support for their campaign, but ending up with, like, different bases for that support, right? Where, like, yeah. Sansa would have the support of the High Lords, and John would have the support yeah. of like the normal people, and that would like lead to them being in conflict later in the show. And like, like, yeah, it's they perfect. They had so all the much, groundwork for it. They could have done so much more with everything, yeah. but instead, you know, trot out the High Sparrow for another speech, and then mm-hmm. have like Carol propose the same thing that failed to Elena. Yeah, like, and Arya doing literally nothing. <laughs> these were these were all rehashes of season five too. Yeah. This is just such a bad season. And then there's, like, all these people on Twitter, these, like, uh, professional critics who are like, in my opinion, The Door was a much better episode than Battle of the Bastards. I always prefer that kind of thing. And it's like, but that was stupid. Like, I appreciate that what you are What is it about The Door that they prefer? Stu- I think the Hodor reveal. What was so great about that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand this show at all. It's offensive. Yeah. It's offensive on so many levels. I know! It's, like, fractally offensive. I know! We wrote about it. <laughs> and recorded about it. And the show just keeps going so, and going. I think, I think this is it, Kylie. I think the show has finally actually driven us insane. We cannot form any coherent thoughts. No, I don't think so. Because, like, if, okay, if you... Okay, it's just me, though. If, yeah, no, if we were paid money to, like, talk about Carol's Landing again, you know we could. It's just that this particular... Like, two plot lines that we watch together mean absolutely nothing. I mean, they're not, like, they don't mean enough to qualify as filler. Like, no, they're just, like, I don't know what this is. It was, like, a high school production of Jamie Six. Uh huh. And then nihilistic bullshit. Yeah. Yep. Good job. Okay. I'm looking forward to having time off before season seven comes. We're going to do a Song of Ice and Fire episodes Mm -hmm. on this feed. Maybe like an inbox hour. Yeah, I think inbox hour is going to be next because honestly, Julie and I just need a break from planning. Um, And then after that... We're going to talk about Stannis the Manus. Yeah, we've been told to talk about Stannis. We've got suggestions for a Sansa episode, which I'd love to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a potential couple of guests that I've been talking to that I'll see how they land. And then we'll probably be in July. I love you, Julia. We're gonna be fine. I love you too, Kylie. I just bought myself a really nice dress. It has like flowers on it and these like kind of like three quarter length sleeves that are kind of like poofy. And if I think about that, it will be ha- I will be happy and not think about how I, I have I to watch season not, seven. 
I did not see where that story was going at all, but okay. I don't want to think about season seven. I want to think about fun summer clothes that I can wear now that I'm hot. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Well, on that note, we are going to get out of here. If you like what we had to say, uh, please drop us a review or like us on iTunes. I think, how do you even review? I think it's through iTunes. Yeah. I think you can, yeah. you can review on other pod things i don't know are we on other sure. things it, it just helps with exposure basically yeah and, and other people find us because we're sure that there have to be people who are realizing this show is a pile of poop and want to hear about it yes. and also maybe want to hear about like fun a song of ice and fire things yes exactly and maybe just maybe winds of winter will get a release date it's possible <laughs> uh but you know what's already been released mm-hmm. all of our merch oh yeah we do have yeah and actually um we dropped the prices a little bit because basically we we're just guessing at it, and yeah. then we benchmarked, and we're like, "Oh, these prices make more sense, so it's more affordable." Uh, I, you know, no, I think the dramatically satisfying shirt's sure, like nineteen bucks or something, yeah. and yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, we we have lots of we have unabashed books, library swag, and yeah. just uh, gear. And I'm gonna try to design new stuff. I want to design a Cheryl to Carol or Carol to Cheryl evolution shirt and stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, check it out. Uh, it's at the fundamentals dot com and we have like merch and there's a yeah. banner and stuff you'll see it and yeah check out I, check out the site we have all sorts of things that are not about crappy we, t- we write about good tv shows sometimes yeah i actually um i just ordered myself a snapback by the way oh, yeah? it was it was the one with the um dornish fundamentals logo on it the house martel fundamentals logo yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, we do we do uh, write about just general geeky things. Like the Americans, uh, Black mm-hmm. Sales that just finished. Oh my god! I have to catch Julia, up on it. I know you have to catch. up I would have caught it. up on it this weekend, but instead I had to rewatch the shitty show. I'm sorry, that could not have taken you that long. <laughs> Took long enough. It's okay. I forgive you. It's just draining. It's draining to know you have to watch it, so then we mm-hmm. both procrastinate by not watching it with other stupid shit. Yeah. Like, I just played Majora's Mask instead of watching this. It's all fine. Alright. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess, thank you for listening. I'm sorry we came apart. <laughs> no, I literally had a little bit of a minor breakdown in the middle of the recording. I'm not sure how much... And then, she hung, and then she hung up on me. I'm not sure how much Kylie will be able to make me look sane with her editing process magic. Oh, you'll just see. Yeah, I'll see. Okay, we will We will talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs> Goodbye. I had to watch that scene once and then I had to watch it again. And and now I'm talking about it. They put this on a piece of paper and we're like, this is perfect. Let's film this. It'll be great. 
Oh my god, she left the fucking call. No. I thought you were like really. I thought about it. (laughs) I can't even.